0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoors podcast. This is Jonathan your host. and here at Redbeard Outdoors I talk about faith, family, fitness and the outdoors because I've noticed that people that implement those four things in their lives on a consistent basis have, well, consistent success. They live happier, healthier, more successful lives each and every day. I want that for me, for my family, and for you, the audience. Hopefully you're in on Redbeard's Fit Crew. I want it for everyone in on the crew. But anyone listening in, guys, I, I want that kind of lifestyle for you. Whatever your goals may be, they don't have to be the same as mine. They don't have to be the same as your neighbors. But I want you to be able to accomplish your goals, live a happy, healthy, more successful life. So with that being said, before we get into today's conversation with Courtney, who is just an amazing overall individual, I'm really stoked to have her on the podcast She does great things in the outdoors industry. She helps women getting into the outdoors as she has gone through her own struggles and overcome fears and trials. I'm excited to share her story with you guys today, today being Saturday. So on Saturday, I have the sit-down, Saturday sit-down, where I share a great conversation that I've had with someone that, for me, I'm interested in their story and want to learn from. Also, on Mondays, I do gear reviews, and on Wednesdays, I do a solo episode, just kind of a pick me up in the middle of the week, keep that fire lit under your butt and keep you moving through your week. So stay tuned. If you're listening, give it a follow, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, go definitely subscribe. Everything is growing. I really appreciate it, guys. As the podcast continues to grow, thank you so much for your support. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. For the show and affiliates with the show. First and foremost, of course, guys, I would love for you to get in on Redbeard's Fit Crew on Facebook and, of course, the First Form Outdoors Facebook group. Both of those groups are great communities for you guys, Uh, a great use of social media, to be honest with you, where you can link up with people that you probably would never have met in your life throughout the country, throughout the world, where basically they're just pursuing the same thing as you. And you're going to find someone that has more than likely gone through the struggles that you're dealing with. You can learn from them, help each other out, hold each other accountable, and just grow together, applying all of the things between fitness, nutrition, and getting outside so that you can live a better life. Also, definitely want you guys in on those weekly calls. So if you're not, if you don't have Facebook, as I've been saying in previous podcasts, I'll continue saying it send me an email. I want you to be able to make it to those weekly calls that we have on Zoom or on Facebook, if you have Facebook. So send me an email and I'll get you in on those calls. All right, now on to backcountry nutrition, guys. Alpenfuel and Heather's Choice are my go-to options for backcountry nutrition. If you're out right now, uh, snowboarding, skiing, basically any kind of snow sports, if you do things in the winter time, uh, definitely go check out Alpenfuel for some warm granola. It's the best granola on the market, guys or Heather's Choice if you're looking for some other meals that involve meat and veggies, definitely go check out those two companies. They are amazing companies to support, but also they make a great product. So definitely go check those companies out. Another great company to look at is Black Ovis. Go check out the link down below, guys. Black Ovis, you can get your your boots, you can get some clothing. They've came out with their new merino layers. Go check those out. You can get pretty much just a smorgasbord of outdoors gear. Go check out the link down below for Black Ovis and you can get your supplies. There's plenty of deals going on right now during the holidays. Don't miss out. If you're looking to upgrade your digiscoping system, go check out allin.co for all in digiscoping. Use code REDBEARD. You get 10% off and free shipping. So definitely go check that out, guys. It's my favorite digiscoping system on the market. It's simple. It's fast, and it's secure. So you'll be able to get the footage that you're wanting. If you're in the market for stabilizers, go check out Quattro Archery. They are doing amazing things, guys. They are growing, they're expanding, and they continue to put out great quality stabilizers. If you're looking for a glassing system for your binoculars, definitely go give Kestrel Glassing Systems a look. The link's down below. Go check them out. And of course, last but not least, guys, if you have a beard, whether that be a long beard, short beard, itchy beard, whatever kind of beard or your spouse or your children have a beard, go check out affectbeard.com. They have some great scents and uh, you can save some money with code redbeard10 so that you can have a good smelling spouse or you yourself can smell good and not itch with your beard and just make it look good, guys. And a percentage of all purchases goes to charity. So... There's a win win win. Go check it out, affectbeard.com. All right, guys, without further ado, here is the amazing conversation that I had with Courtney Preet of her outdoor journey. You definitely don't want to miss it. Tune in and enjoy. All right, guys, I've got an amazing guest here, Courtney, and she I met her through Instagram, uh, just social media. I loved her story. I love what she's doing. I love that she's got. Family loves hunting. Has been into hunting for a while. Uh, just had some great success this year as well. Uh, you've had your own trials that you're going through. I just love your story, and so I wanted I wanted the audience to to hear a little bit from you and get to know who you are. So, uh, in a nutshell, who are you, Courtney? Oh gosh, this is
1: always the hardest part of the question for me. <laughs> who am I? Um, it feels so multi layered. But yeah, so I'm from Oregon, just a small town girl. I actually live four driveways down from where I grew up. Uh, which my parents still live. So it's pretty awesome to just live out here and have this kind of country lifestyle with them. Um, I'm a mom of two crazy kids. Um, I'm a hunter, like you said, and I host outdoor events and camps for women to expand their knowledge to, you know, pick up a bow and learn how to bow hunt um, or just build their confidence off-grid so that they can feel like they can go out and be capable and do the things that they want to do. Um, I'm a military wife, so my husband's deployed. He's right now up in Sitka, Alaska. So I have the best of both worlds kind of getting to spend my time between, you know, the beautiful Pacific Northwest down here in Oregon and then also up there in Southeast Alaska. So yeah, we're just kind of living, living the dream right now.
0: That's awesome. So you're like, Hey, babe, I want to come visit you. Uh, Actually, I want to go hunting.
1: (laughs) We get to do quite a bit of uh, hunting and fishing up there. We actually bought a boat when we knew that we were going to transfer up there. And so we've been spending a lot of time on the water, just halibut fishing, salmon fishing. Um, So we're eating pretty well. I can say that for sure.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, that's Alaska is definitely on my list to get to. I'd love to go up there. There's so many things to do up there. Um, I've got a buddy that goes up there just about every year in salmon hunts or salmon hunts, salmon fishes. Um, and he loves it. He absolutely loves mm-hmm. the the country up there. So um, I'll have to get up there sometime, but that's cool. I, I've never heard of a deployment up to Alaska. So that's, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, again, just, I absolutely love your story. You, you, you host events for women um, that are, are getting into archery rifle. Do you both archery and rifle?
1: Mm-hmm. I actually grew up rifle hunting primarily. And then about seven years ago, picked up a bow. And I think I have like an addictive personality anyway. So putting a bow in my hand was like, I am i was hooked immediately. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So, okay, let's get started from the, I guess, the very beginning of, of your story here. So you grew up in Oregon, which is yep. another state that I'd love to go visit. I'll, I'll probably be up that way um, the beginning of next year, but it just looks gorgeous. It's, it reminds me of, my home but with bigger mountains so i'm from north carolina um it's just very oregon looks very green and it's got Mm -hmm. you know the bigger mountains than the appalachian mountains and uh you guys have a lot of stuff going on up there so explain kind of i guess growing up did you get into hunting i imagine through your family or was it another way that you got into the outdoors
1: yeah, so it was through my dad and um really he nurtured that from the time that I was just a young kid. Um, in fact, I guess apparently my first time deep sea fishing, I was six weeks old and my parents took me out. So the outdoors were just kind of always ingrained in what we did and how we lived. Um, and my dad was such a trooper, he would, you know, bring me over and have my mom bring me and my sister over. And we would just kind of fart around deer camp. And, you know, it was just him and 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 us and um, you know, it was such a pivotal part of my experience was just getting to feel like that was kind of like how I grew up. A lot of kids went and had like these play dates and went to to the mall and did these things. And, you know, I was picking legs off of spiders and selling my dad pine cones from our little deer camp, you know, and that's just (laughs) what I knew. And it's kind of funny because I remember the specific moment where it kind of like dawned on me that this, this was like what I, what I loved. And he was, um, shoot, I don't remember. I was like probably six years old or something and begged my mom to take me over. And so she took us over to central Oregon where he was hunting, where we all, we always camped in the same spot. It was just like, you know, knew about like the back of your hand and we get over there and I beg my dad to take me down to the frog pond, you know? So, okay. So he throws his old rifle over his flannel shirt, you know, and we go walking down to the frog pond and I get within view to where I like, I know it's just right ahead. So I take off running And as I'm running, I'm like in my head, trying to like understand why there seems to be a tree that's moving in the pond. And about the same time, it kind of dawns on me, this buck lifts up his head and I'm like, oh no, like that's why dad's here. Like I got to stop, you know, so I'm trying to stop and back up and my dad gets in front of me and he shoots this buck in this pond. And... My sister who's 3 years older was there as well and I love her dearly but we could not be more polar opposite right so <laughs> so now my dad's got this you know buck dead in this little tiny you know water and hole essentially and naturally the water is now filled and turned bright red and just bloody and we've got to drag this buck out you know and so there's a picture and I'll have to send it to you it's pretty hilarious but it's my dad myself and my sister and we're sitting in the back of this Old pickup truck with this bloody buck. I've got this bloody knife with, you know, blood down to my elbows, and my sister's <laughs> holding the rifle. And that was the moment for me that I knew that this was always going to be a part of who I was. And it was equally that moment for my sister where it kind of deviated where she was going. And now she's, you know, vegan and, you know, we just live two different lifestyles. She's in Portland, I'm in the country. And It's cool because I love that for both of us because it was kind of that defining moment where you just, you know what you want to do and how you want to continue on. But yeah, I mean, long story short, it was just always a part of what we did. And um, we were out fishing and hunting and dad teaching me always how to use a gun safely. Um, That was something that was like number one always ingrained was um, muzzle control and shooting ethics and safety. And, And I think that's something sometimes I see that's missed a little bit. Now we kind of go to the like five steps ahead and instead of getting that crucial introductory part, but nonetheless, I think, um, yeah, it just was a a great way to grow up. And um, I'm so glad I had those memories.
0: I love that. And, and, you know, it's so cool because that was actually, so one of the questions that a, a guy asked in the Instagram chat that I was, um, you know, asking them about what, what question they had for you. He's a dad of two. I also have uh, daughters as well. And just kind of, how do you get children into that? So I love that you shared that right there off the get go that your dad kind of eased you into it. And the fact that it it doesn't sound like your dad has shunned your sister because of who she yeah. is oh, absolutely, um, and the choices not. that she's made. So that's, that's crucial, you know, and, mm-hmm. and what I'm noticing now is, you know, my, my kids have all been involved in some former fashion of a hunt, whether mm-hmm. that's going out and spotting turkeys with me or, you know, helping me actually clean the turkeys in the backyard, or I made my boys go out and uh, help me harvest a, uh, a pronghorn last year and I made them help me clean it, right? So they got that kind of aspect of it's not just magically appearing on the table. Sure. And so I, I love that, that that seems to be kind of a trend in that, uh, you know, it wasn't forced on you. But you and your sister both took different paths because of the introduction, you know, that mm-hmm. your dad was able to give for you guys, and mm-hmm. so that that's that's really cool. I, I like that. Um, and you said, how old did you say you were when when you remember that the buck coming out of the pond? I was six. You were six. So yeah, yeah my six year old probably would have run at the buck and be like, "Hey, buck!" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome that you had that uh, that knowledge, that foresight to to stop and be like, "Oh crap." <laughs> Yeah, totally. That's cool. That's really cool. So, uh, and that was, I imagine, Blacktail up there in Oregon. That was Mule Deer. We were in Central Oregon. So I actually live
1: currently and have for the last 27 years at the, the, basically the, the beginning of the foothills for the Cascades. So we have all Columbia blacktail down here, and then as you get a little higher, you'll get into some of those bench leg bucks, which is the cross between the mule deer and the blacktail. And
0: mm-hmm. then you
1: get up a little bit higher, and then we have uh, mule deer, and then a little farther we have whitetail. So we have mm-hmm. a little bit of everything here.
0: Well, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting that uh whitetail kind of skipped over Utah. Um, we don't yeah. have any white tail here, so, <laughs> uh, but that, that's really cool. So, so that was kind of the start, you know, what kind of, I guess your, your main memory as, that was ingrained yeah. for you as to how you started into hunting and, and getting into the outdoors. Um, so what, why did you choose to start, I guess, doing these camps, uh, and helping women that are getting into archery or rifle hunting or just the outdoors in general? What, what was kind mm-hmm. of the tipping point there that made you want to do that?
1: You know, I I think there's a couple different facets for me really that kind of fueled that fire. One was I was always the only girl in camp, every camp I ever went to, unless my mom joined or, you know, my sister joined for those few years, I was always the only girl and that was okay with me. I was really, you know, I was kind of just one of, I was a tomboy, you know, I liked doing that kind of stuff. So it didn't really matter too much. I think until I got a little bit older when I was a teenager and when I was in my twenties and Then I just kind of wanted to like have friends that also did that. Um, And I came from a 20 year background of um, coaching fitness. So I was, I owned a fitness company and so I trained and I coached and that was a natural kind of progression for me. And then I got into a place where, you know, my dad's parents got really sick. And so he wasn't hunting anymore. He was taking care of them. And I had had, you know, success rifle hunting and kind of wanted just another challenge and something to learn. And I just, out of curiosity, put a bow in my hand. And like I said, a little bit ago, it just, it, it sparked something inside me that I didn't even know existed. It was just this, this hunger for not just learning the process of archery, but also just that therapeutic repetition of showing up and shooting your bow and unplugging and focusing on that. And then, wow, you can, you know, harvest animals with it. And like, to me the, there was just like this snowball effect. And What I see consistently in the outdoor space is that there are a lot of people that are championing women and supporting them and educating and, and just being there for them. But there's a lot of times where that's not happening. And that for me is the part where I go, you know, you would hate for somebody to have this desire to learn, to be able to harvest their own animals, but find these barriers, these massive gaps where they are not being supported or educated in a way that I believe from my core is an ethical moral you know well-grounded entry into something. And so I don't know if that answers your question but I guess it's just a, a big passion for mine to to help women kind of feel like they're not only accepted but they're supported and really rallied around because you know I can learn we can all learn anything from a dude for sure, you know, nothing to say we can't, but it feels good when you're among women who are just like you. Many of them are moms. Many of them are entrepreneurs. Many of them, you know, have had struggles and trials and tribulations. And now you're getting together in these small camps of you know, eight to 20 women where you just, you know, you get to go, you get to learn, refine your skills, feel like you're going to be able to go out there and, and put meat in the freezer for your family. But also like at the end of the day, when the bows are put up and we're just sitting around a campfire chatting and telling stories, you're like, like, wow, like I kind of felt alone before you just shared that part of your story. And I've been there too. And I think, you know, watching the friendships that are formed, um, I feel like I've talked about this a million times, but I had, as an example, four women that came to my, my beginner archery last year, or excuse me, this year, I'm already in 23 (laughs) and they were practically neighbors, but didn't know each other. And now they've left here. They came to every other one of my camps that I had last year and they're hiking together. They're planning hunts together. They're going camping. And so now they have found each other. And so it's like this little introductory that I do for them is really just the tip of the iceberg in their story. And I hope that, you know, they just kind of continue to roll with this and, and and move forward, but long story short, it's just a passion project.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. You know, yeah. I, I agree with you that it seems to be something that is growing. Um, and I've had, you know, a couple of other, and, and this is why I love having specifically women on because, you know, it's one of those things that goes without saying, but I think should be said more that there are differences that you ladies experience in the woods uh whether that be directly with killing an animal i know it, it just seems like to me that women are a lot more spiritual i know there's 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 men that are pretty spiritual and, and in tune with nature but it feels like to me that that seems to be something that is just in the core of of mm-hmm. women themselves and then mm-hmm. on top of that uh you know there's just so many other challenges that go on um you know with women versus men and so i i love that there's so many people out there that are that are sharing their own experiences in their own way. And like you said, in your own way, you love coaching, you love teaching and you love creating that camaraderie with the other women that like those two women that didn't even realize they were near each other are now good friends and they're planning their own hunts. They don't Mm -hmm. necessarily need your guidance now because they're forming their own friendship and they've got their Mm -hmm. own stuff that they're doing. So I absolutely love that. And, uh, you know, there's definitely nothing wrong Uh, with, with people acknowledging that there are those differences. Women don't want to sit around a campfire at night with men necessarily uh, all the time. I mean, there's definitely different conversations that happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, I I love that you're providing that opportunity. I might have to get my wife into that. She's in the other room. So I might (laughs) might have to tell her to go to one of your camps to get her uh, at least to understand why I'm so passionate about uh, what I do. But um, and that's really cool. I, I I really appreciate that that you're doing that. You're turning a passion project into something more that is impacting lives, yeah. and not even just lives, but generations. As mm-hmm. these women carry those values into their homes and teach their children, or able to get along with their spouses a little bit more during hunting season, or maybe even more competitive because they want to go hunting when he does. You know, <laughs> things like that. And so, I think that's really cool. I I really love that. Um. So you were talking about, you know, uh, about fitness and how you were a coach there. Uh, was it more CrossFit? Was it bodybuilding style? What What's your, I guess, your idea on fitness um, and how has that transformed over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, it's transformation <clears throat> is basically hitting the nail on the head with that because, you know, when I started coaching, um, I first got my personal um, certified personal trainer certifi- certification when I was like 18. And for me at the time, it was really just about, I I came in and I was watching these ladies just like work on rehabbing from a surgery or having a baby. And I was like, that's really cool. I want to help them like achieve the next thing. Um, And then I became a mom. And so then my fitness business became all about moms and babies. And we had a, a gym and we did classes with our kids and classes without our kids. And so it was kind of that for a while. And then it became training triathletes and ultra-marathon runners and and those who were just like kind of taking this next level in their, you know, their that milestone um, to go run races. Um and then ultimately I found that my own fitness journey kind of took this ebb and flow to you know I was a triathlete for a while and then I was doing trained to hunt competitions and but it always came back to my desire for fitness was all mental with this kind of caveat that I wanted to be a really effective hunter and that's kind of the model that my my fitness business took was training essentially outdoor junkies. So that could be somebody who's going to be a mountain hunter. This could be, you know, your occasional rifle hunter. This could be a Midwest gal that wants to learn to stabilize her core so that she can shoot sitting down and draw her bow from a seated position. I mean, it was all of those different facets of just helping outdoor athletes be, be able to hunt longer and harder and never, I mean, we've all been to that place where you're so physically tapped out that you're like, I'm just done or I can't hunt today or, you know, whatever. And so I wanted just to kind of mitigate some of that, that discomfort a little bit by helping people just stay in it longer.
0: I love that. Okay. So you kind of skipped over something there that I think is a little key and I want to bring it back up and then we'll get into, you know, again, that transformation. And the reason why I use that term of your transformation on fitness is because it really does. Like I've noticed it in myself and most people that have been lifting weights or into sports ever since high school, or even before that, there is this kind of transformation. As you get more knowledge, you figure out your own body. You also figure out your goals change, right? Mm-hmm. As a young mom versus someone who's got kids that are a little bit older that can do a little bit more, or you feel more comfortable leaving them, you know, with a daycare or a sitter or whatever, yep. or they could even go and work out with you. So things transform over time. And if they're not, you might need to reevaluate your life a little bit in my opinion. Right. Um, but I really, I really like that. So again, the thing that you kind of skipped over that I want to touch on, you were a triathlete. So talk about that. Cause I, I've never really had the desire to run I like biking and swimming and lifting. <laughs> um, running is not a thing for me unless I'm in the mountains. And even then I'd rather have a heavy pack on my back and go hiking. So sure, uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about triathlete. That's, that's kind of a big thing to just kind of skip over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, for me, it was that I loved running. I, I was racing quite a bit. I was a pretty good runner. Um, and I am a fan of doing things that scare you. So my biggest fear is water. I hate water. There was an incident. My uncle drowned when I was little, it was just kind of a traumatic thing with my family. And so I think I kind of, I kind of wore some of that a little bit and kind of carried that fear with me. And so I was running, I was doing pretty good. Um, also not a super strong biker, (laughs) but I thought, I mean, not only will I physically excel and strengthen my body in ways that I'm not doing when I'm running, but mentally to have the fortitude to show up and do something like an open water swim that scares the shit out of you. Got to do that. Like I have, so I pushed myself into that corner and just made it happen. I did it for only a couple of years. <clears throat> I ended up wrecking a road bike, put my arm through my shoulder, had an eight year old injury that I never got fixed until a couple of years ago. So I'm glad that I did it, even though it kind of led to a surgery and, and this issue, but because mentally I mean, I never got over the fear. Every time I would get into the water to do a swim, my heart was just beating out of my chest, you know? And so I think showing up to do the things that scare you are the things in life that help you reach the next benchmarks. Um, Whether you continue to show up and jump in the water or not, I think just knowing that you can get over the hard things that feel like barriers to overcome to the next step, um, I think that's really important. And that's something I've really tried to help coach a lot of people with as well as like, what is the thing that scares you? Cause I want to do the things that you're passionate about and I want to help you get there, but I also want to know what keeps you in the corner. What keeps you in that box? Why aren't you expanding and growing and moving forward? What's the thing that scares you? Cause we need to show up for that too.
0: Exactly. No, I agree with that. And I, am really sorry to hear about your uncle. Um, that's, that's definitely something rough, a situation I think would scar most people, uh, to a degree where that would cause, you know, some anxiety around water in this situation or whatever it was that the incident was, uh, in that person's life. And so, uh, that's awesome that you were able to ha- you know, head on face that and not even just face swimming, but turn it into being a triathlete. Right. Um, so kudos to you for that. That's really awesome. And, and to touch on the idea of facing your fears, um, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of studies that talk about that, that, that fear, um, is a big killer for people because it causes mm-hmm. that, that stress in your body that raises the cortisol and a bunch of other things that go on in, in your system. Um, you know, you hear about, I just learned about this. Apparently there's something called the Sunday uh, scaries that people get uh Sunday night before Monday going to work. And I'm like, I've, I've never experienced that, but that's good to know that there's something, you know, out there, uh, to kind of label that, but it all just kind of feeds into the aspect of people aren't enjoying their lives. They're not, uh, they're, they're not facing their fears. And there's even a a show that we started watching with the kids. Um, who's the Thor, the, the actor for Thor, Chris Hemsworth. Um, Mm -hmm. he's doing, he's done a series that's out now about directly facing his there's like seven fears uh, that he has and obviously it's Hollywood produced but it it brings a good message of facing those fears like fear of heights fear of I think there was water in there something like that and mm-hmm. anyway it breaks down the whole biology behind it and I think that there's definitely something that you can tap into uh, biologically without us even maybe knowing the science behind it But uh, it it gives you that extra boost, like what you were Mm -hmm. saying, getting through that fear of water for you has led to many other things, even though there was a surgery involved, unfortunately, you've been able to face other fears in your life Mm -hmm. that maybe before, who knows if you would be in the same situation you are right now, if you hadn't addressed that fear of water, right? So that's pretty awesome. Well,
1: And it's just like, it's just like any other exercise it's repetition. Repetition creates those natural grooves that where Mm -hmm. you can learn to do things that you didn't otherwise think that you could. It's just like adaptation to, you know, hypertrophy training. Like over time you practice something, you build enough resistance to it. Your body's going to overcome. It's the same thing with fear. It's the same thing psychologically. A lot of times once we start to like re, you know, rewrite the narrative for ourselves once we kind of face those things. And for me, and and I think a lot of people are very similar. That's where I build my confidence. Mm-hmm. When I show up to do the thing that scares me, when I show up and say yes to going on a trip to Kodiak, you know, with two weeks notice with two girls, I don't know, when I show <laughs> up in that fear, and then do the thing like that's when you can leave and feel like you're not just kind of surviving you're kind of thriving at that point mm-hmm. you're kind of like yeah expanding and I, and i'm and i'm i'm about that
0: yeah no exactly there's something yeah. else too that i i like to address as much as possible when it comes up is the fear of of uh, the dark a lot of people won't say that they're scared of the dark because they're just used to being at their house in the dark but when you're out in the mountains and there's no light in sight <laughs> <laughs> and everything's creaking around you, and the wind's whistling, and all this other stuff is going on. That's something that your mind starts to play tricks on you for sure. And Absolutely. I know for me, for me personally, something that I've done is I force myself to hike in the dark. If it's an established trail, if I'm going up the side of a mountain, a little different story. You want to be safe, but if there's a trail that I'm on that I'm hiking in, or if I'm hanging out at camp, you know, I I, I put myself through that kind of that stress to get over. Yeah. That fear of the dark, because in all reality, like, there's really not a ton that's going to come near you if you smell like a human and you sound like a human, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's all in your mind, in your mind. And once you overcome Mm -hmm. that, it's almost like you kind of conquer another portion of the mountains and nature, and it feels good um, to be able to do that. And so you know, again, that's really cool that you brought that that kind of piece into why you became a, a triathlete was so that you could overcome that fear mm-hmm. of not just not succeeding, but you had a specific fear of water, which is a big part. I mean, it's a third of what a triathlete is, so yeah, <laughs> uh, that's kind of a big deal. Uh,
1: I have to say, when you you know you're mentioning being scared of the dark, anytime you take away a sense, right? So your sight. That's a huge sense that most of us are using every single day. And so once you take that away and are essentially blind, yeah, you, it just creates a whole new experience for you because you're not able to use your vision to tell yourself, one, is there danger close to me or two, am I going to fall off the side of this mountain? Or, you know, like that's a huge barrier for people for sure. It still is for me. It's something that's probably one of my, my weakest links I would say is that, um, hiking in or out in the dark, you know, trying to get to a spot that you want to be at sunrise and it's two miles in, not really my favorite part of hunting. I will do it if I have to, but I always almost try to find an alternative to making the dark hike happen. Um, but, and that's always been a fear. I was, I had a bluff charge by a black bear packing a black bear out in the dark. And so that kind of like reignited that little issue with the dark, but I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think that is something that's really definitely important that people kind of.
0: Practice as well. Well, I'd be a little scared too if I saw those glowing eyes coming at me in the in the dark. Like that'd be a yeah. little sketchy. At,
1: at thirty yards. Yeah, no, thank you. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh man, that's yeah. yeah. So we, we might have to delve into that story a little bit too. I just uh, honestly, I think it's something that as guys, a lot of guys will play tough, sure. and um, you know, it's just something that guys do for some reason, and uh, and it's not something that a lot of people talk about. So I've I've heard a couple of people touch on it. And it's a real thing. Like if you're not, if you're wanting to go out and solo hunt, I dare you to go out and have a backpacking trip overnight, be in the dark. Don't turn your headlamp on all night and just, just hang out there and listen again. I think what it is, like what you were saying, that was a good point. If you shut your eyes off, everything else heightens, you know, you're not quite Mm -hmm. daredevil status, right? But you're, you're hearing is heightened. Yep. Your smell is heightened. Everything else, your touch, everything else is heightened at that moment because your body's still trying to input all that information, but it's cut off one of its its signals. So, um, you know, that could uh, be another big thing, you know, you, and then when you do see stuff, you kind of see some shadows and you're like, oh, and then you turn the light on, it's a bush. You're like, oh, really? Like, <laughs> so that those things happen, but exactly. tell me about this... the will get you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they'll get you when you're glassing to You those, those <laughs> buck bushes and the <laughs> the the bear logs and everything yep. else you know <laughs> um talk to us a little bit about the that black bear story i want to hear about that a little bit um being bluff charged by a black bear
1: yeah so it was here in oregon um a couple of years ago and i went out um just for it was i don't know friday or whatever went out to go hunting and um just by myself ended up shooting a bear at like 250 yards down in this little canyon ran into the trees and so i went out and called for backup to come help me pack out and then It was really late. And so we went back in the next day and looked and looked and looked, could not find this bear, ended up going down into the swamp, found blood, lost blood, found blood, lost blood. Um, And so I'd stayed in there most of the day and I was getting ready to hike out. I had ended up going actually back in pretty far, um, just kind of farting around at that point and um, found a big boar feeding up in this meadow and and shot him, killed him. He went down and we go to pack out and now it's probably like 1030 at night. And, um, I had a headlamp, I believe the battery was dead in my, in my pack. And so I had my cell phone and instead of going down the way that I had ended up coming up there, which was pretty gross, it was really thick timber. I thought that I had a shortcut out and i did not have onyx saved so i didn't really have a good route i just thought for sure this old road's going to cut down to where you know my jeep is not too far from there and so on my basic uh recommendation we ended up going a different way which i will we'll get there in just a second but so we're hiking out and we had seen tons of signs there's lots and lots and lots of black bears in this area and we're hiking out i've got my cell phone he's got his headlamp on it's just a buddy of mine and um, I always pack a sidearm, it just, that's kind of helping, you know, with my confidence. So I put my sidearm on and, and, uh, we heard something kind of run down a little bit earlier about a mile in and whatever, you know, you don't think too much of it. You just kind of can't let yourself tap into that. What was that noise? And we kept going and we get into this, um, this really this freshly cut unit for logging and, uh, standing in the road about 30 yards in front of us is a black bear on his back legs. And as soon as I mean, I said his name and he said mine and I had uh, my gun in my hand and he had already fired two rounds and that thing was, so it came down on all fours and took like, I don't know what it, it seemed like three or four kind of, you know, um, lunges at us. And then after the second shot that bear turned, and this was the creepiest part about the whole thing, honestly, that bear turned to run and you never heard it it was like silent. And at this point, it's like 15 yards in front of us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was the craziest thing to have a bear, you know, it wasn't giant, but it was a, you know, full size bear run away from you at 15 yards silently. Uh, I had a little freakout moment at that point. I had a lot of bad words and I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, you know, I'm now I've got this bloody bear on my back and, you know, I don't know exactly where we're going. It was the craziest thing. Cause at the, Right. As this all happened, this rig, I could see way down because it was this, you know, freshly cut logging unit way down the bottom comes ripping up the road like a freaking madman. And now I'm going like, oh, God, like, is this a good situation either? And he gets up there as this young kid and he leans out the window and he goes, what's going on here? And I said, well, we just (laughs) got charged by a bear. I'm packing my bear out now anyway, you can give us a ride back down to the rig. And so he did, he threw it. It was seven miles. We were seven miles by this road system farther Mm. away than I thought we were, but yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, I never want to be in that situation again. Like I never want to in the middle of the night with, you know, it's already pitch black. You've got this black bear running at you. Um, and I have this crappy, you know, cell phone. Um, but it was, it was like a season or two after that I was out hiking somewhere on this old cattle trail and my headlamp along with my, my boyfriend at the time's headlamp behind me created the shadow that looked like it darted in front of me. And I had a slight Mm -hmm. meltdown then too.
0: Um, Mm
1: -hmm. but you know, it's one of those things now I kind of laugh about it, but I don't laugh about it when it gets dark and I'm out there by myself, (laughs) you know, it's like one of those things where you can think about the story and it's kind of funny, haha. But then when you get out there, yeah, you take that sense away where you can't really see what you're getting yourself into. And all of a sudden, yeah, you're, you're just, you're kind of on edge a little bit to make sure that, you know, nothing's wanting to eat
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those it's crazy how <laughs> padded their, you know, their feet are how, uh, almost like a sponge their fur is. So like they they have the ability to be super quiet, which oh, yes, kind of pisses me off because I take one step, you know, during the dry season and it's just like the entire woods light on fire and everything knows I'm there, you know, but a bear could be, like you said, 10 yards away from you and you have no idea. So, uh, that's, that's pretty that's that's pretty intense um yeah so i guess to to kind of pick out some things that we could learn from this <laughs> for the audience one oh, yeah. pack sidearm pack and bear spray but two uh you know maybe charge your headlamp and bring a backup
1: <laughs> yeah you know what happened so actually this just happened to me on this kodiak trip too i have the i have a brand new headlamp from a really good company and it has a locking feature which i always have done you know you charge Is it and then the lock peaks? it Mm-hmm. yep yeah. and every single day that i went to get that out you know to signal signal to the boat where i was at on the beach it was dead every single time and i locked it every single time and so hmm. yeah i mean i and just to say like here's the thing test your gear too mm. <clears throat> so you know you can have it at home sitting on the counter test it yes it works yes it's charged yes i turn it off and it's locked but what happens when i throw it into my pack and it's you know being pushed around in my guide lid is it going to somehow get pressed so that's something too for me even now i'm still kind of learning like just because you have good gear doesn't mean it's always going to work for you but mm-hmm. yeah like you said there's so many different learning you know pieces to that whole situation
0: exactly no for sure yeah that that's uh that's a crazy situation um yeah. I, I guess just for me, you know, just some little things that if people are listening to this and things that I do personally with, with the headlamp is if it's got an external battery, take it out, um, while it's in your pack, have it like maybe taped to your, your light. So you're not looking for it, mm-hmm. but have it out. So it doesn't burn out, um, by getting pressed. Cause that's happened to me before. Uh, and I, I, I'm the weird guy that, that likes to pack too much. So I've got like two of everything and I never end up using the second thing, but I know the moment that I don't have the second thing, my one thing is going to be not working for me. So I kind of have totally. that, I guess my wife would call it anxiety. I just call it preparedness. Take you know what you want from it, but <laughs> I just, I'm willing to pack in a little bit more weight for that. Some people cut their toothbrushes in half and and don't want that. So I guess it just depends on the style of hunting you're into, but man, that, that is uh that's crazy. That, that's a crazy experience. I've never been that close with black bear. Um, I think the closest I was, was maybe 150 yards last year. We were black bear hunting uh, and it was a pretty um, color phase bear that was getting chased by the dogs and it didn't stop all day. That was the most intense. Like we were up on the roads following the dogs and everything. And uh, it, this bear would not tree. Wow. And so, yeah. And it even, it stopped at this little Creek and we kind of laughed because the dogs stopped barking and they stopped moving. And, and so we're like, oh, okay, you know, what's going on? And the dogs were tired. I bet the bear was tired. So I was like, we're, they're just kind of having a kind of a sit down at this Creek while they're getting some water. And they're like, look guys, truce. Okay. we're <laughs> Mutual not understanding. Yeah. We're not doing anything here. Uh, but, but yeah, that was, that, that was pretty intense, but the bear wasn't running at me. So I can only imagine, I've seen yeah. a lot of videos, um, love that. And so I can kind of picture it in my mind, but in the pitch black, like that, just that I know I got scared, uh, we were backpacking in the sawtooths. And so there's wolves, um, there's bears and, uh, and, and mountain lions and we were just backpacking where we weren't even hike or uh, hunting. And, uh, and so we we were hiking in, in the dark cause we'd gotten started later than we wanted to, which usually is what happens. And, uh, and, and my headlamp lit up some eyeballs that were kind of close to the ground. And so I, in my mind, I pictured, of course, my mind put the body of a mountain lion, you know, crouched ready to pounce, uh, you know, 50 yards away from us. And it, it lifted his head up. And then we got some, we were able to see it was a nice buck. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. But it's still, I, I definitely, I can understand the anxiety of uh, or the stress of being there in front of a bear like that. That would be, that, that would not be fun especially with the bloody meat on your back, you know,
1: <laughs> don't they say though, that there's a difference between predator and prey's eyes reflection in the mm-hmm. dark. Yeah. yeah. Green versus red. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that I mean, wasn't going but... through my mind at the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and two, uh, you can also kind of like judge the spread of their eyes because you know, predators will be closer kind of like ours are on the front of our face. Cause we're always looking forward. Whereas yeah. prey is more on the side because they're able to see more around them, and they're more in a defensive stance rather than predators that are, you know, their eyes are on the front. So all of that to say, I wasn't going through my mind. I just saw eyeballs yeah. close to the ground. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're like, this is my moment.
0: Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But no, that that's that, and that's a really good point too. You know, test your gear, test it in all the situations, cold, mm-hmm. wet, uh, whatever you're going to be using it in. Um. You know, I would even recommend setting it on your counter and leaving it on and setting a timer um, to see if, you know, they they can tell you it's going to last you four or five, six hours. Who knows? You know? And so that's another good thing too. So those are all really good tips. I appreciate that. Um, All right. So we've kind of talked about, you know, fitness. We talked about the outdoors. Um, So I guess I want to cover a couple of these questions that came up uh, on Instagram. So first you just killed a really nice blacktail, And am I getting in? Getting that right, I always get them mixed up between the white tails. I know there's some slight differences. Uh, you guys would probably say there's huge differences. <laughs> I, I've never seen one in person, so <laughs> I only see the cool pictures on Instagram. Uh, but it, he wasn't a hybrid mule black tail, nope, right? Clum- it was Just a black Columbia.
1: Tail.
0: Yep. Awesome. So, I guess tell us a little bit about that story, unless uh, you want to. I don't know if you've shared that on the anywhere else. I don't want to blow your story up if you're going to use it somewhere else.
1: Um, Well, the coolest part about all of this is that I just killed three really great Blacktail. Two were Sitka Blacktail up in Kodiak, which I thought I was never going to come down from that high. And then I came home and ended up connecting with my target buck. Um, So my mind is kind of like a little bit crazy on this whole experience right now because of the way Kodiak went down. Um, And the fact that overall, I have four gorgeous Blacktail bucks right now. I'm just like, this will never happen again. This I actually enraged my husband and I said, We're gonna have a taxidermy bill. <laughs> and he's like, I knew when you said that we were definitely gonna have a taxidermy bill because you're not a big taxidermy person. So um yeah, so came home from uh hunting Kodiak and we had like, I don't know, a week and a half or something. My husband came down to visit. Uh, for a couple days, and I was just kind of watching cameras and figuring out, you know, what's this buck doing? And um, he was, again, like most blacktails do. Uh, they call him the Great Ghost. He was only coming around at night, and um, you know, just kept pulling cards and kept watching and kept watching. And um, I had a couple doe that kind of started to act like they were getting pushed around a little bit. Probably coming in um, to their cycle. And so I thought, okay, this is the time at the same time we had this like convergence of this kind of storm that came through. And so my dog had just had uh, eye surgery. She's a pup. And so I was kind of like, oh, I, I really shouldn't go hunt. I should just lay low with her and hang out. And I could not shake this feeling that like, today's the day he's going to come in today's the day he's going to walk to the blind and I have to be there. And so I got all geared up and headed out sitting in the blind and, you know, I'm a mom. And so I was kind of feeling guilty. And then, you know, I just, should I get home? And I'm like, no, you have this feeling you got to sit out here. He's going to come in. And so I grabbed my cell phone out of my pocket and I started, I was like, okay, at least I can work. So I started doing show notes for my podcast for the next episode and I'm writing the show notes and I look over and I never heard him come in. He's standing right in front of me at like 16 yards. And I'm like, Okay, great. Well, do I want to reach over here and press play on the camera? And I'm somebody who's like, the hunt is the most important thing for me. And I'll never, I'll never like purposely do anything that puts the hunt or the harvest or the shot at risk to like turn on a camera. And so my camera's already set up, but I'm like, I'm not even reaching over there to press play. So I knocked an arrow and came to full draw and just settled in and made a perfect shot on him. And he ran about 60 yards and just, piled up dead. Um, and then I was like, holy cow, like I knew this was going to happen today. And the fact that I almost had talked myself out of it to like stay home with my pup or do, you know, like nothing really needed me. I wasn't neglecting anything, but just knowing, just like reading the sign, he hadn't come through at all during the day and to have him show up, I was just like elated. Um, and then of course I called my husband and I was like, buck down. And he's like, which one? And I was like the one. And he's like, oh my gosh, like your season has been insane. So yeah, I'm still very much living in that, in that moment, but, um, everything's processed. We've got a ton of meat in the freezer. My parents, all my friends, it just like that part makes me so happy. Just being like, here you go. Here's some jerky. Here's some steaks. Here's some, (laughs) so getting to share the wealth has been really fun.
0: That's cool. And that was the morning. Was that, that was in the morning or the evening?
1: that was in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. About, okay, cool. I think he came through at about, Oh, what was a three thirty 30 ish, three twenty. 20.
0: Yeah. Awesome. That's really yeah. cool. So that, that, thank you for sharing that. That's really, really awesome. Uh, you've had a lot of ups and downs and just in the last couple of weeks and some scares and things like that, uh, that yeah. you, so you, you've gone through a lot and uh, I think it's amazing that you're still able to push through, and stay so focused and dedicated on, on what you, what your mission is, what your goals are. And I didn't let those scares, you know, bring you down. So um, between health scares and everything else that you had going on. So I I really appreciate uh, again, you making the time to be on the podcast here with, with me and share your story with the audience. But um, but also, you know, just the fact that you're, you're able to push through, you didn't let that, you didn't sit on the couch and just kind of wallow in, in, in things that were going wrong you got mm-hmm. up and and you even were able to share some things I know on Instagram and and all that that you were just kind of pushing people to uh to do things better in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh so that as you were suffering, right? So that to me again that just speaks to the character of person that that you are. Um and you obviously have been through struggles in your life and you know how to overcome them. You overcome your fears. All of those things stand out to me and why I wanted to have you on just because I feel like a lot of people need to hear that, you know, there's, there's mothers out there that are pursuing their goals. They're not just sitting at home and, you know, not going after their passions uh, because of their kids, right? Their, their kids are there, they're giving them the best lives Mm -hmm. that they can, but they're also pursuing their passion. So I I appreciate you sharing that. Just a couple of rapid fire questions here. Sure. Um, One best tip from you for hunting in the rut.
1: Oh, I would say uh, find tracks, figure out where they're at. If you're in the snow, that's always a really nice thing to do. And then rattle. Rattling seems to work really well, especially on our blacktail here. I don't, I've never whitetail hunted, but I would say find an area that looks like it has the most amount of sign and set up and rattle.
0: Awesome, cool. So not just quiet, but rattle. That's awesome. Rattle. Yeah. It's good to know. I, I'm eventually going to get into some whitetail and hopefully blacktail hunting in in a couple of years, um, so I'll apply that. Let's see. Uh, How do you cover scent?
1: I don't. I use the wind. If you're not using the wind, they're going to smell you anyway. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not super like hairspray kind of girl anyways. Mm. So I just do my normal shower routine. Um, I don't worry about scent at all. I worry about having the wind.
0: Awesome. Then I just had a Corey lease on, um, I met her through the first form outdoors community and she brought up some things that she's sharing as well. Just again, from a woman's perspective of, uh, like earrings, like she didn't even think before, uh, and then she'd post a picture of her hunting or whatever. And people would criticize her about having dangly earrings. And she didn't even think about the fact that there could be reflections. So is that something that you keep in mind or you just kind of like, yeah, it is what it is.
1: I do. I don't ever take sunglasses. Um, Well, I do, but I don't typically wear them if I'm out. They're never on my hat. If I'm glassing, I try to be really mindful of where the reflection of my binoculars or my spotting scope is. And I don't wear my wedding ring. I wear just a silicone Mm. band, uh, especially for archery hunting when, you know, that my bow arm is going to be my left hand. So they're going to potentially see that reflection. Um, But yeah, I think those things are important. I don't care if you hunt with earrings on, but I do think when it comes to um, being effective, sometimes you have to assess if those things are going to help or hurt you.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Biggest challenge you've overcome in hunting? I know we talked about you know the fear of the dark, uh, but what what's maybe a challenge that you've overcome?
1: I think just hunting solo, I think has been the hardest thing, you know, growing up with a dad who was always there with me. Um, you know, he certainly taught me a lot, but I was always really close within a hundred yards to him. And to just pack up for a weekend or, you know, five days and head out, you know, to the mountains and just go do the thing I think was definitely the hardest part for me. It's still occasionally is the hardest part. Um, not, I'm not necessarily worried about animals. It's people people are not my mm-hmm. I don't want to run into people when I'm out there by myself and I never tell the women out there maybe even to the men never allude that you're alone um in fact before I was married I always wore a wedding band when I went out
0: mm-hmm. and if
1: you do end up popping into somebody you can just be like hey heads up you know my husband or my boyfriend or whatever you want to say or there's a couple other guys right over here um just don't ever give the indication that you're alone
0: I like that that's a really good tip uh yeah. and that's why I carry in the back country it's not necessarily I could wrestle a bear right <clears throat> <laughs> but uh, you know, people, that's why, that's why I carry a sidearm in the back country. Cause it's, you never know, 100%. you hope yeah. that they're good people like you. Um, but you also can't necessarily assume that because you, you Correct. know, there's some crazy stories out there. So that that's a good tip. Appreciate that. Yeah. And then, uh, last but not least, I know we kind of discussed it a little bit, but maybe one or two tips that you would recommend that you, maybe you uh, apply as well with your kids, but again, that the dad, like me and your parent, and then he's got two daughters, um, to encourage him with hunting and the outdoors, what would maybe be your top one or two things that, that you would do? I know you, again, you mentioned just kind of to to re- reiterate your dad just kind of eased you guys in, brought you along, um, on the hunts, taught you gun safety, but maybe one or two other things that, that you would recommend maybe on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis.
1: Number one, make them comfortable. So that's thinking ahead to like warmth, snacks, water, um, sometimes entertainment, depending on the, the age um, of your kids. But I think keeping them comfortable, honestly, whether it's, a, whether it's a kiddo or a girlfriend or somebody that's not had experience, like even for yourself. So if somebody's listening in and they want to go out and go hunting for the first time, make sure you're going to be comfortable. Because if anybody's first experiences are not that to where their needs are taken care of, they're probably not going to want to go back out. So think about all those things, comfort, shoes, you know, socks, uh, food, drinks, all that kind of stuff, and then two, never force them into anything. I think that that's where people um, can kind of run into these hurdles, and I know I did with myself as a mom, a single mom for a long time with two boys, is that that was my time to hunt, right? So I'm there because I want to put meat in the freezer but also I'm really there to teach them and to be gentle and to be patient. And when they're loud and I just kind of, you have to learn that although it might be your hunting time, you have to find the balance between being serious about the hunt, but also being really flexible with where your family or where the other people in this hunting party are at, you know, you know, kids can be loud. Kids can ask a lot of questions. Kids can forget they have to be quiet and start talking, you know? So um, I think that is, that's, that's, A really, really important thing as well is just patience. Um, so yeah, those would be my, my top two.
0: I love it. And I, I agree just to kind of piggyback off of that as well. Um, you can't go in with these high expectations that you're going to kill a seven by seven bull, uh, when you have your eight-year-old behind you, like if that happens, awesome, but kind of temper your expectations. Um, and also it, it can be a good teaching experience. If you go out to glass for a couple hours with your kids or you sit in the stand and there's nothing that comes in. That's a great teaching experience rather than getting frustrated or ramping up with them. Cause you know, sometimes I come home from the hunt and my kids are like, you didn't get anything this time. Did you, you know, okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, and that's a huge part that, of hunting.
0: Exactly. And having that explanation yeah. of look, I love being out there for what it is. And if I get to yeah. see an animal or even get a shot at an animal, that just adds to it but i you have to love being in the mountains or in the woods wherever you are enjoy that your time alone or with the people that you're with right and so i think that's definitely key so just piggybacking off of what you said so that's huge um,
1: yeah and and teaching too like give them a job give them binoculars have them glass read the sign talk about what kind of scat is what you know is this deer is this elk is this bear look at tracks i mean i mean um, the rub and show them what that is. Like, there's so many things when you're out there, if you really just are keyed into, you know, wildlife and wildlife sign mm-hmm. or plants or berries, there's so many things that you can be learning out there that just kind of is, is filler until the potential opportunity to, you know, kill an animal arises.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even like my six-year-old, she's brought up a couple of times where uh, she's like, well, how come this year you can kill uh, a mommy And next year you're killing a buck or a daddy, you know, and we have those conversations like, you don't, you don't kill necessarily quote unquote mommies if they've got fawns or the bears with cubs, et cetera. So they're all great, great teaching experiences. And it helps me get more educated because sometimes I don't have the answer. And I'm like, honestly, I don't know, but let me go look it up. And we get to go have that conversation and I can show them where I find the information too. So not everything's going to stick, right? Uh, Especially Mm -hmm. at a younger age, but um, you know, just having those moments and, and embracing the teaching moments as well. I, I love that. That's awesome. And it's fun. That's the fun part of being a parent. Um, some people get really upset with why, why, why questions, but I actually kind of have grown to love them because it helps me to have better answers and to be stronger in my own beliefs, my own convictions and passions. And also my kids get the answers and, and they get to learn as well. They just don't just get shut down when, you know, they ask so many questions. So, yep. Um that's awesome. Uh I think that's it. Do you have anything else that you want to share with the listeners? Uh maybe something we didn't bring up that you'd like to leave with them?
1: Um not necessarily. I mean, reach out if you're somebody that has questions about getting into hunting or you want to join us for one of our camps. Um you can find it over at heroutdoorjourney.com. Um but always happy to answer any questions that come into my DMs, so please reach out, feel free to do so. And just thanks for making the time and having me on. It's been fun to have the tables uh, reversed here and just get to chat about the things that are passionate to me. And I appreciate what you're doing and, and your podcast and just thanks for being a voice in the outdoors.
0: Of course, definitely. And again, thank you for your time. I know you've got lots going on and especially being a mom and I mean, you've, you've, you've killed some awesome bucks, so you're good for the year, right? Okay. Good for the year. <laughs> yep. Good for the
1: year. Just waiting That's for show awesome. season to start now.
0: Yeah, there, there you go. Um, great guys. So I'm going to leave the links down below where you can find Courtney and, uh, and, and join her, uh, with her journey. And also if you have any questions, if you're wanting to reach out, if you want to go to any of her camps, um, I guess tell them some of the places they can find you other than your website, where on social media can they look for you?
1: Yeah. Primarily, um, hang out on Instagram. So it's her outdoor journey. Um, also I have a podcast called the soul summit podcast. You can find that anywhere podcasts are found, including carbon TV, uh, which is a great resource. If you're wanting some more of that outdoor education, they go over lots of different things, butchering, fishing, how to cook all the different things. So uh, lots of stuff there and yeah, always happy to, to answer questions and to jump into a chat with somebody. So don't hesitate to reach out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Courtney, for your time and everyone out there listening, go check her out again. I'll leave the links down below. And of course, as I always say, guys, get out live your life and love it. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed hearing Courtney's story and everything that she's doing to help women, especially get into the outdoors more and not have the fear that comes along with uh, getting in the outdoors. A lot of people have it, whether you're a man or a woman. There's a lot of things that we discussed in here uh, that hopefully you enjoyed. Uh, go give her a follow. Check out her stuff. I will leave her links down below. If you're interested in any of her camps, again, the links will be down below, guys. Go check out what Courtney has to offer to help you have a better experience in the outdoors. So, with that being said, guys, looking forward to seeing you over at Redbeard's Fit Crew. And thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. There's so many other podcasts out there, and you choose to keep coming back to mine. So I I truly am grateful as I'm seeing continued growth uh, with the podcast and the community. Hope you have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go spend time with loved ones, and of course, get out, live your life, and love it.